Welcome to Big 20, a roundtable discussion where GMs from all walks of life discuss gaming and field questions from viewers. Hosts this week are... I am uh, Chris, and uh, is this... Are you sure this isn't Fear the Boo? Yeah, because you're on it. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) In name only. Uh, My name is Dan, and I'm with Fear the Boot. Find us at feartheboot.com. Hey, this is Wayne, Fear the Boot, among other things. The topic for this episode is player versus player drama. So, yeah, let's start off with defining some of the substrata of player versus player problems. Because I, I think in any good discussion, if you don't define your terms correctly, you pretty quickly start arguing past each other. So when we talk about player conflict, we could be talking about something like a disagreement of do we go in the right door versus the left door, or two players can't agree on a frame of morality, uh, or it could be, you know, do we heal the bad guy and question him versus put him out of his misery? Or this could be up to things, let's say, going up farther to... uh, you have something like one of the characters is trying to kill another. Uh, and I suppose below that you get the one character's trying to steal from another or somehow uh, humiliate another. And then you get up to the worst of the worst, which is whatever it was and supposedly started in the thin veneer of being an in-game issue has now become a table-wide issue. That now two players are arguing about something in the game and it's no longer about the characters. This is and my views on all these all topics diverge. Yeah, yeah. So where do you guys want to start with this? Chris, you know, I I haven't kicked a topic to you in years. So You haven't. No. I, haven't I know. Been, now been, you're able to have one kick to me. So now that I'm yeah, back from the uh, wilderness, um, my, my self-imposed exile. It, you know, I it, when I was first looking at this topic, I think I, because I kind of ran down a similar list you know, to what, uh, to what you described. And I think for me, I, I, I kind of focused more on the, um, the in, the in character conflicts, um, both from the, the side of, uh, characters getting, you know, physically violent with each other, not players, but characters getting, uh, physically confrontational with each other. And then the lesser degree, and I suppose this is really, uh, pretty wide spectrum as well when it comes to um you know character conflict just more of a of a verbal nature you know the uh the party that is you know adventuring together but not necessarily in in you know uh in so in getting along is so much you know and so i think that there's you know there's varying varying degrees of how you want to handle that um you know, and so yeah, I'm not really sure where we should start. I mean, it's it's kind of low hanging fruit to go after the verbal stuff because I think that that is that's easier stuff to mitigate. Um, you know, because it comes down to character personalities and and whatnot and how those things play out at the table. Um, but I think once you know stuff starts to escalate, um, it almost seems like that's something that is either needs to be discussed either beforehand or possibly you know worked itself out afterwards or maybe in game, you know, 
pausing and saying, wait a second, are you, are you like actually upset at me personally, or is this just a character thing? I don't know. Well, I can start with an example on the, in the game I'm running right now. So I have one character that not just murdered an NPC, pretty much executed him. And another character in the group is a police officer. So there is some serious, you know, conflict right there of they don't know what they're going to do as this, you know, this has all just come out. So the characters are all trying to figure out how are they going to, you know, reconcile their character being friends with somebody that just executed a guy. Maybe a, may have been a bad guy, but just plain executed him. So there was talk about, does the cop try to bring him in? You know, that's a, that could end up becoming a violent conflict. If nothing else, it's a conflict of arresting one of the PCs and taking them to jail. So let's start with the, the what forms of player versus player conflict do you find acceptable in your games or even enriching to your games? Because, I mean, I think there's a case to be made that the characters always getting along actually does kind of hurt the narrative a bit because real people don't agree 100% of the time. And there can be a lot of interesting story. Um, and on top of that, I mean, if you're deep into your character, deep into expressing your character, you're going to say or do things that are going to get a reaction from somebody else or you're going to be the one giving the reaction. So let's start with that. Uh, do you guys think there's a form of conflict that is not only acceptable, but in fact is enriching to the game? I do think that when you have those, you know, when you design your characters purposely so that the, the personalities aren't always going to mix, um, that does add a lot. I mean, like you said, you know, people don't always get along. And I think even in the most, you know, I, 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 idyllic, uh, groups, you know, where you have the opportunity to design them. I think that making them all so they are some sort of, you know, uh, one vision sort of group is is interesting, but ultimately not as rewarding. You know, part of the development of any story as, as a campaign plays out is how the characters are personally interacting, not, you know, not just with that storyline and helping to develop that storyline, but their own conflicts along the way. And it's it's not only just the character self-discovery that occurs um, as, as everything plays out, but it's that, that interpersonal discovery as well. When you begin to learn, you know, because nobody knows, nobody knows their character completely uh, when they sit down to game. You don't really learn them until you're several sessions in and, you know, and then some. And so, once those things suddenly get into conflict with each other, because they're bound to at some point, even Wayne, just like you said, I'm sure that in your scenario, that was something that you didn't see coming. Nobody saw that coming. And it wasn't, right. you know, they, they wasn't designed to end up happening that way. But now suddenly here's this personality aspect that is raising, you know, rearing its head. And now it needs to be dealt with. See, and that's the part I love about it. Because I like these kind of things. I want them in the game. But what I want them to be is I want it to happen. And then the game is dealing with them. You know, I want those events to happen naturally. And I want to see the characters react and grow from it. You know, I, 
I want that conflict to be there because it makes a more interesting story. You know, now they have to figure out how are they all going to get along. And the character that did it spent this last session, you know, throughout the course of the session showing remorse for what he did. And the other characters are using that remorse as a way to, you know, help their characters go along with it and, you know, come to terms with it. That is a much more interesting story and a much deeper story than just the characters all agreed on it and glossed over it. Or the characters were too afraid to fight with each other at all and just ignored the fact that one of them, you know, crossed lines the others aren't willing to do. And I think where it gets a little weird, um, because I think that you know, what we're talking about here is stuff that does happen in most games. But I think where it becomes a little weird is when you have players who stay in character, are very invested um, in what they're doing at that time, and aren't taking like those natural, you know, tan tangential breaks to either like make a quick side crack or, you know, do something that is non-game related that you're on the table where they stay in character and they keep the moment intense and you begin to wonder, or the other players who aren't involved begin to wonder, is this person taking this personally or are they just that much in character? And I think that that's where... You, you, those lines could start to blur and then you have to maybe stop and have some of those conversations. Um, or, you know, if it, if it looks like it's getting really awkward it, as, as the, as the game master, you know, hit the pause button and just double check to make sure. I mean, I remember one time where, uh, and this was years ago, me and a buddy of mine, we were having an in-character argument about a particular situation and we were yelling at each other and, I started to feel weird because I, all of a sudden I was thinking, wait a second, you know, is he actually getting personally upset? Because, you know, sometimes he has had issues in the past. I knew that he had issues in the past where he would get a little upset about certain things. And so I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm yelling at him in character, but I don't know if he's actually upset. And so I, I purposely stopped and smiled at him and cracked a quick joke. And he responded in kind. And then I knew that, okay, he's actually like super in character more than I'd seen him in the past. And then we both like snapped right back into it and started yelling at each other again. And it was great, but it had gotten to that point where I just wasn't sure what was, if that line had been crossed, you know? The joke is a really good piece of advice because especially if you have some new players in the group, I've seen a few times where people have come into a group that they weren't part of the existing friend group you know, or at least not everyone at the table knew them. So at that point, you only know them through their character. And that leads to a really interesting dynamic sometimes of who is this person really that you're gaming with? You know, are they the character? Is that really them? And you don't know until you start having some of these out of character conversations and hanging out with them. Yeah, I think the one of the important bits of advice that you guys talked about in there is that this starts with a player-to-player -player attitude and understanding that you have to understand that, you know, our characters are different and these are the kinds of things that 
we're willing to allow conflict over, and then this is the degree to which we're willing to allow that conflict to progress. And when it hits, you have to have the presence of mind to keep reminding yourself, Ninja can go F himself, this really is just a game. And, uh, you know, I'm not looking to lose friends over this and say, you know, if I think the other person's getting really angry, I can pause the game and ask them, you know, or we can pump the brakes on it or my character can give a little ground or, or any number of things. But I mean, it's just like in real life. I mean, look, you go into any relationship, friendship, romantic, work relationship, whatever, and your goal is to always win. You're, those relationships aren't going to work out too well. You know, you have to accept that there are proper and fair ways to fight, and there are hills worth fighting for and hills not worth fighting for. And if you guys can't reach that general understanding, and I know situations are going to come up you didn't plan for, but if you can't have some kind of at least let's talk around the edges of this sort of conversation as friends, well, then of course it's going to go pear-shaped as characters, you know, because you, you failed each other as individuals in a, you know, an interpersonal dynamic long before you had a problem in the game. Yeah, I uh, I do want to mention in the situation that I have in my game that, like I said, I think is leading to a great game, you know, story arc. We all talked about it out of character. We had that conversation as players, not as characters about how the characters were going to react to it and that that was an important conversation to have because it was important for the future of the characters and how they're going to interact with each other well and i would imagine too it must have given everybody just a little bit of you know internal i don't know reassurance that you all were on the same page just in regards to what that encounter meant or what it maybe meant to certain player characters um, or whatnot, so that, you know, as the resolution comes around, I, I would imagine it would even end up enhancing how that whole thing is going to play out. It, it definitely does, because I can think of a couple times where something has happened and the people weren't aware of what was going on. You know, like uh, one character was really pissing off another player and didn't realize it had crossed that line. And that player had to get up, leave the room, and go upstairs for a while. Yeah. You know, had to physically separate himself from someone who is his friend because they don't have that, that line. You know, for me, PvP goes back to the very first game I ever had. My character decked Chad's character. In the first <laughs> Skies of Glass game I ever played, Chad's character deserved it, and my character did it. And Chad's character fought dirty and grabbed my balls and took me down. And our character yes. got past it, and we as people knew that the other wouldn't be angry about it. I don't know. Well, and that, that, that helps, mind, Dan. too, because you guys had some background with each other. Yeah. What was um, going through your mind, Dan? Because I was still new to you back then. You'd known Chad. Well, let me pause first here to address a moment, because Wayne... You're being a uh, dirty little whore tease. I see you wearing that Injustice shirt in front of me and, <laughs> you know, just flaunting that body like you think I don't notice. Um, oh, no, I picked it just for you. Show. I know, yeah. 
just to keep reminding me of the things you won't do. <laughs> um, disappointment. Anyway, uh, so what was going through my mind was um, I, I think partially I, was, I wasn't too worried about it because of the fact that I knew that uh, you and Chad had obviously an outside relationship. You guys already knew each other through work. If I'm not mistaken, at the time, you were still his boss. Yep. And so I'm like, you know, Chad's a ballsy guy. He's a very opinionated and, and uh, uh, strong personality. But he uh, he's not going to risk his job over this. And so I already kind of assumed that you guys had some kind of a personal dynamic. And if it really went that far, I knew Chad was going to hit the brakes because he was not going to want to have to pay for this next time you did a bonus calculation. Um, well, it's interesting. It's but I mean, back, you know, I tell you. I say, looking back, I'm pretty sure the other characters wanted to do it, too. But none of them. Oh, did. yeah. I mean, his, yeah, his character was a prick. Um, and. I, I got to be honest, I, I really wasn't, I was more worried that Wayne, and I say worried here in loose quotes, I didn't know where your boundaries were in meaning that I didn't know if you would outright kill his character. And if you did, eh, I've known Chad long enough to be like, yeah, he'd probably be annoyed by it, but he'd roll with it. Um, but I was kind of mentally trying to figure out like, what do I do if that happens? You know, what do I do if, if Wayne does just straight up kill his character? Um, because, yeah, I mean, what Chad's character did, and this is where you got to take some damn responsibility. I, one of the things I talk about on our show is how I hate this attitude where people pretend like either as the player, they're the victim of their character, or as the GM, they're the victim of their world. You know, well, I can't help it. That's what they would do. You know, oh, get real. You know, it, if you've got to take responsibility for knowing that if you take a situation in game and you start escalating it, there are going to be in-game consequences. And those in-game consequences may, if you really push hard, become out-of-game consequences. And if you don't have a social presence of mind to uh, realize where that's going, then, I mean, you've already got a problem long before that conflict occurred. Yeah, I've Sorry. never actually okay. seen a conflict in game get to that point of the characters are going to kill each other. I know oh, I have. Guy, I know you guys have. I haven't seen that before yet. Well, unfortunately, this is something we me. kind of matured. Go ahead. Well, you, you probably deserved it, but um, <laughs> it depends depends whose story you want to believe. But go ahead. With Chris, you're unprepared to victim blame all the way. But I, I would love to hear your story jokes aside, but. Um, and also in chat, Kia has thrown a situation at us that I want to address directly. So I'm going to get back to that. Um, but one of the problems we had is, is that was a staple behavioral issue of a few of our players. Um, and Eric's giving me the flag to stop. So I don't have a pen, but hopefully I remember all this. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> We have a seize initiative uh, going on. Young one two just uh, redeemed uh, his uh, seize initiative ability. So, um, what is something you've always wanted to quote unquote fight with the other hosts about? Do I want to fight with the other hosts about? Um, 
tough because hmm. we used to think of these and we would make them episodes. Um, I'm assuming I'm assuming you mean the other Fear the Boot hosts. Uh, I actually I actually have one, and I've partially fought with you guys about it. Uh, this is but way in the past is, um, and I, I, it's it fight definitely is in quotes, just like the question is listed because you know this is something where despite my strong feelings on it, I totally get the other side, and I'm totally in favor of the other side as far as this goes. But honestly, for me, it's always been the issue of the for me on my side the necessity of uh, GM screens and why they, why they matter, why you should have them at your table and why they're important. Um, and I know, I know that like, I know Chad and I have gone back and forth about this because he doesn't use them and doesn't believe in them. Yeah. Cause you're wrong about it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, but, and, and that's okay that you express an inaccurate opinion. I don't mind that way. That doesn't bother me. Um, but I know that ultimately there really is no wrong answer to that to that whole debate, but it's it's a fun one to have just because you know uh, it's 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 a safe topic to feel right about. I'm trying to think back on game level issues, and I think the biggest two that I'm well, the, the first two issues I'm coming up with were things that got really tense, and we ended up having to scrap episodes that weren't game related. Uh, it was much more real-world stuff. Um, so I'm trying to stick here to game issues, because that's what the topic is. Um, I think uh, so there's some nuance to group cohesion we definitely disagree on. Uh, for example, Chad tends to want to experiment a lot with his characters. And that ends up oftentimes, and I, I don't know if this is his goal or not. I don't think it is. But the symptom of this is he makes a lot of characters that are very outside, uh, that are very much, you know, of their own mind, go their own way, and they don't quite gel with the group as much as I would like. Uh, sometimes they can't because the concept alone is so strange. And uh, to him, it's experimentation. Role-playing is this great, uh, you know, clay work of the mind. Uh, whereas I'm kind of looking at it being like, yeah, this is sort of like driving blindfolded. I don't know where this is going to go, but statistically, I don't like where this is probably going to go. So, you know, um, that's definitely one that we've disagreed on. Yeah, I really have a hard time coming up with one because everything I'm thinking of, we've actually done. Because for a while there, we did look for contentious topics because those were some of the most fun episodes. But since Chris left, we don't have anyone to argue with anymore. Well, and, <laughs> see, and you can see that dynamic right here. I'm talking about, you know, you have to have that interpersonal stability uh, before you can deal with, you know, in-game conflict. And uh, I just read a study fairly recently where they found a very, very strong both correlation and causation uh, in couples, romantic partners, where their ability to just mess with each other, to play fight, was a good indicator of the strength of their relationship because it shows security and understanding. You know, I can make fun of Chris because he knows I don't mean it, you know, and we have that kind of relationship where he makes these, you know, hobbled sort of, you know, 
I can't be politically incorrect here, but you know, he makes, <laughs> he does the best he can uh, in insulting us back and, and God bless him. We, you know, we appreciate that. I just uh, go cry off camera. It's fine. Yeah. And we, yeah. And we do put a sticker on your chart that you tried. Um, you know, it's usually I did, seasonal. I did recently on a fear the boot episode actually stop to give a little love to Chris because he's not there to ineffectually defend himself. Yeah, but I mean, the point is, I mean, you can hear us fighting like this, and and we're not, obviously, we're not serious, but that's, that's the point, is that we understand each other well enough, I know there's certain things I could say that would genuinely and profoundly upset either of these two gentlemen, and I have no desire to do it, and this, the, the fact that I know them this well gives me some ability to gauge the same things in game, and I think that's why once again, speaking purely within the context of the RPGs, uh, I don't know that there's a whole lot that we really do profoundly fight about. Uh, if you listen to the actual play, uh, you pretty recently heard, was it Brodor or Wayne that really got into it with Chad's character? Uh, both of them have in the past. Because it, <laughs> it was like one or two games ago, it was really recently, one of them just, I mean, went... Because you did it in the oh, game that review. Was, yeah, that was Brodor. But, but I think it was Brodor who just lit up on him. Uh, and you could tell, I mean, it was in character, but you could tell there was some, there's a little bit of a out of character bleed on that, you know. But they never crossed any lines because they're friends. They know each other. Um, and But that's about as close as we get, at least any time recently that I can think of. Yeah, So I can think of a few things. We, we talked about them on the mic, but I'll still throw them out there. Uh, I am a much bigger note person and immersion person than Chad. That is something we easily can argue about. Chad is more in the moment running things GM that frequently couldn't keep track of the names of his NPCs. He has changed his GM style. I don't know if it's from uh, all the conversations we've had about it or just influence from other GMs he's played under lately, but he's a much more note-taking planning GM than he used to be you know that was something that I used to argue with him about because he was the type of GM where you'd roll really good to discover something in a room and he would turn to you and say okay what'd you find and I'd turn back to him and say do some damn game prep <laughs> I want to discover a big part I, I of the found game all the fucking notes for your game that you should have, you son of a bitch. Yeah, a big part <laughs> of the game for me a lot of times is discovering the world and discovering what the plot is that the GM had been working on. And when the GM turns to you and says, okay, what did you find? That kills all immersion for me. Uh, recently, we had a what was supposed to be a one-episode conversation about you know, supplements that ended up being a four episode. Yeah, it is four episodes long, which is why I haven't posted the raw yet because I have to figure out where I'm going to cut it because it was a three hour and 40 minute recording that was supposed to be a quick, we were thinking like this is going to be an intro 15 minute banter topic on supplements and it went three hours and 40 minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were definitely diversion dependings on that. I mean, it's it's kind of more metagame than game, but well, so we definitely. Oh, go ahead, finish your sentence. I don't want to. 
Oh no, no, that was really kind of the the end of it here. Goodness gracious, chat's got some really good stuff today. Yeah. So go ahead, Chris, and then no, I want to hit some of the stuff in chat because they've got yeah, some and good I'll, stuff. Yeah, I'll make today. this. I'll make this quick because this is this is this actually relates to the topic at hand. I have, um, as far as confessions go, when I've had, and, and you mentioning, you know, Chad's experimental characters made me think about this. I had a player in um, one of my groups who his style was not my style. And though he is a great guy and he was fun to game with, um, my opinion of the type of characters that he would make um, was, it just, it, it caused, in my opinion, unnecessary disruptions to the game. And whether I was a player, and I didn't do this as a GM, because for some reason my fairness um, modes kicked in, but as a player, I would oftentimes, we didn't get into conflict, our characters, but I would have my character behave in kind of a passive aggressive way toward his character. But, and I realized after the fact, after this happened, after a couple sessions, that, that I had essentially crossed that line. And it was more me being that way because he was fucking irritating me with the type of character that he had. And I felt it was disrupting <laughs> the game, you know, and it was just one of those things where I realized like, Oh shit, you know, it's all of a sudden I'm being a bad player in that sense. And we never had a conversation about it. I never talked to him about it. I never took any of those proactive steps uh, because most of the time our games kind of crapped out with that group and we would switch to something else. But um, I'm told, I've totally been guilty of, of that kind of, stuff in the past uh at least with that group anyway but yeah, yeah sorry yeah so there yeah, was I, well i oh go ahead dan i was just saying, i think part of my problem where i come into this it took me a while to come around to any degree of in-game conflict because my first introduction to character versus character conflict was every fucker wanting to play a kender and every one of them couldn't make their own kender they had to basically be a carbon copy of was a tassel hawk. Yeah, tassel hawk birth. And it's like, and I and that started me down the path of I don't go to camp at night. I was playing a wizard in that game. I don't go to camp at night without setting alarms and wyvern traps and everything else all over all my shit because otherwise, just because Teehee, my character has to do this for no reason, I'm going to rob you in the middle of the night. And when you confront me, well, it's not my fault because I was just borrowing it. I was just keeping it for you. And you know, it's like, no, you're being a sociopathic asshole. And if it wasn't for the fact I value you as a friend, your character would be dead at my feet right now. And you can tell there's a little bit of rage there. Uh, and then the, I went, It's the Dragonlance version of the uh, mysterious Aragorn stranger in the corner that everybody likes to do. It's like, oh, stop. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a freaking, it's annoying. And, and you know what? I've, I've met Tracy Hickman. We've talked to him on the show multiple times. He's a nice guy. If you wanted me to tell you a cause to kill the man, it would be the creation of Tasselhoff. Um, <laughs> but, and not putting out for John, but that's a different story. But the, the other, right after that, I went into a different gaming group um, that they were even worse. I mean, you didn't have the Tasselhoff Kender, but what you had instead was it was just fairly standard that these characters were constantly undercutting each other. I mean, this was like, imagine a sci-fi game that had a lot of anime tropes but ultimately, the group functioned like a South American soap opera. I mean, just the level 
of, of machinations and undercutting and backstabbing. It was ridiculous. And it finally ended up with the, the infamous yellow line story where my character, who was the only normal human in the group, uh, got a hold of a, of a ship and basically painted a yellow line around the back of the bridge and said, no one that isn't human can walk across this line. And if you do, we will kill you. And I had no choice but to do it because if I didn't do it, oh, they were going to rob me. They were going to kill me. They were going to self-destruct the ship. I mean, it was just going to be some childish ass behavior. And that was all I knew of inter-party conflict for years. And I, I, ha I hated it. I mean, I just wouldn't even allow any hint of it until I finally started dealing with people that were mature enough, you know, to do it like an adult, to have real conflict for real reasons. So Dusty Vance in the chat gave a part two to his earlier question. How do you crush the cancerous statement and the preceding actions of that's what my character would do? And I want to throw this to Chris first, because Dan and I have talked about this not too long ago on the podcast. So, Chris? I do think at a core level, that is a valid excuse. However, um, it's not, you can't just, you can't use it, you can't use it as the crutch that it, you know, when, when people say that statement, that because ultimately that's really what it is. It's just a crutch to excuse bad behavior, because with anything, you know, with anything in life, just like you said, you know, people are, are going to not get along. Well, the same is also true with, you know, with any core belief that you have, you're going to get challenged on it um, constantly throughout life. And sometimes you'll stick true to that core belief. That's what my character would do. And sometimes, quite frankly, you won't. And you will do for whatever reasons, even if they don't make sense to your, your character, or your character's past behavior, you, you still go and do them. You know, I mean, you look at you look at any portrayal of any of any um, uh, character in a story. Sometimes they just act out in certain ways. Sometimes it's a, it's a character development moment, uh, but sometimes it's also just they felt like doing it at the time. And for some reason, players just seem to or a lot of players just seem to want to cling to that idea that their, their character isn't, is uh, essentially a Sith. They, they deal in absolutes. Um, they only do, they, oh, come they, on. They only never, the Jedi deal with absolutes. They never stray from that path. You know, they're, they're always <laughs> well, it's there. also funny because the phrase only Sith deal in absolutes, which was given by a Jedi yeah. is a yeah. statement of absolutes. <laughs> yeah. And let's face it in that setting, the Jedi are the only ones that deal with absolutes. Sith never deal with absolutes. Yeah, that's true. The Sith, they'll negotiate on some things are assholes, but they will negotiate. <laughs> so my take on the phrase, I think I've got two thoughts on it. One is when it's used, it should immediately be followed up with, that's what my character would do. And I, as a player, am completely understandable of the consequences that are about to happen to my character. Yes. Because in I, that case, it's perfectly cool. I, I think if somebody came to me and said, that's what my character would do, I, I think there's a real simple string of questions I would ask them. Um, because I, I wouldn't jump straight to confrontation. But I, I would ask them the pointed question of who controls your character? And, you know, there's an obvious answer there. And then my follow-up question would be, 
you know, I understand you want to be true to your character. I understand that you want to play someone that does certain things and the world does need a consistency, you know, and that's, I mean, it's not like, you know, if the players rob a bank and the, and Lone Star shows up saying, well, that's what Lone Star would do. I mean, that's valid. That that's, that's the consequence in the world. But I think what you have to ask is, so what effect do you think your behavior is having on the game? You know, do you understand, are you prepared to take any responsibility or face any consequence for the fact that your character is doing things that are upsetting both the, the game world, but also more importantly, are upsetting your friends across the table? Um, and if the answer to that's no, you've got yourself a toxic individual, and quite frankly, they need to go. Yeah, um, I think it is definitely within the GM or the other player's purview to follow up that answer with, okay, does your character want to stay in this group? Now, what would your character do to get back in the good graces of this group? Yeah, because your or, character needs to do that. Or that's right. And to, now hey, suddenly if, you're compromising your core beliefs. If, you, if your character would do that... Uh, would you be adverse to talking between games about creating a different character who maybe wouldn't do those things? Um, and once again, if you hit a person where no solution is acceptable, look, there's a problem, and this is something one of the other hosts, I don't recall who, uh, maybe Chris, uh, point, the, I'm not going to rush to that. I'm just going <laughs> to put that out there. It's my, um, you know, just like a legal statement. Um but the we as gamers, we really, most gamers, and yes, there are jerks, but most gamers, we ourselves are outcasts. We're weirdos, we're whatever. And one of the things that we really want to be, most, most of us in my experience, is we want to be very inclusive, very accepting. We don't want to kick people out of the lunch table because that's what we spent our life suffering through. And in the process, we become so uh, impotent in dealing with people who really are problem individuals that we let them destroy groups. And then we start dipping into really petty and passive-aggressive behaviors of scheduling the game on nights they can't make it or... Uh, breaking up this game and starting a new one they don't know about or going out and finding a new player whose only job really is to fire the old player and be the asshole. And we do this petty crap because we don't want to just look at someone and say, look, you know, you're being disruptive to the game. If this is how you want to play, that's fine. But you need to find a different gaming group. You know, you're not welcome here as long as you want to behave that way. Because that's just not the kind of game we're running. Yeah, um, we use Chad's characters as examples. Chad will be the first one that says a lot of his characters act very much outside of what's acceptable. And he's waiting for the other characters to call them on it. But the other players are too conflict you know, averse to conflict that they won't do it. Yeah. He expects to be called out. And when it doesn't happen, well, and, and Chad, he, he knows, he reads the situation really well. Okay. For better or worse, maybe worse. He reads the situation really well. You'll notice in terms of straight face to face pushing buttons and mouthing off, have you noticed how incredibly rarely he does that with my NPCs, particularly <laughs> the powerful ones? You know, he's never done to Emma any of the things. 
he's done to poor Marlene. <laughs> well, and it was the same thing when I was playing uh, Scotty V. A for those that don't listen to the AP, that character was an assassin. His character Gil did not ever push any of his buttons. My other pacifist characters, he pushed the buttons on left and right, but yeah. not the one that would actually shoot him. All right, so <laughs> I'm going to back up here. I want to go down chat, and I want to get some of these really good questions, and I don't want to ignore them in the 20 minutes we got left. So going back up to Kiha's question, uh, Kiha's dealing with a new player to the group that's not gelling with the pre-existing characters, uh, plus the players themselves. Uh, uh, while a friend uh, has some personality conflict with our GM, it sounds to me like you don't have a game issue there. You have a metagame issue. You have a personality conflict. Uh, you've If these people can't get along, then to be blunt, they shouldn't probably be in the same gaming group until they work out their interpersonal issues. Uh, the gaming table is... The gaming table is a place where the symptoms of personal issues show up and ruin fun. It's not a place where you diagnose and correct interpersonal issues. So, you know, these people need to go out, have a beer, talk it out, deal with their issues. And if they can't do that, then great. I mean, find activities you maybe still can tolerate them at, but don't bring them to your gaming table. Um, I mean, especially when in the follow-up comic, Kia says... The players are preparing to in-character kill the new character. I mean, let's be honest. That's You're using the game as a way to punish the other player. And to basically, it's pillow punching for your interpersonal issues. You know, you can't hit the person, so you hit the pillow. Uh, don't deal with this drama. You know, just, it, it's a hard talk to have. But it's like ripping off a band-aid. It's over fast. Mm -hmm. Um and it took me a while to get that into my head. I'm being honest, it's hard, but it's fast. Yeah, there um, are some people that will just never gel at the gaming table. They could be the best of friends in other situations, but something about gaming, gaming is an extra personal hobby. People put a lot into their characters. Some people don't have that line between them and their characters that other people do. And not that... Uh, not that important that you share every single hobby with you know somebody yeah. that's your friend empathy 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 you have to be aware of the other people what they care about what matters to them and if you cannot have enough empathy to realize maybe we should draw a middle ground here i'm not saying you have to tiptoe on eggshells around everyone if you also show our show you know i'm not in favor of that but if you cannot meet them halfway on these issues it's either because you know what they they care about and you don't care, which is one issue, or you're unable to even distinguish those lines, in which case it's another issue. Once again, gaming will just be a symptom of that, not a solution. Uh, young one, I'd rather take the risk of confronting the issue and upsetting one or two people instead of letting the group devolve into chaos and have no game at all. That's exactly what I'm saying, man. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um Everyone yell. Uh, oh, uh, Shang Pao says, I uh, felt the same way when listening to the most recent episode of Resting Glitch Face. I felt odd when everyone was yelling. I wasn't sure if the women were actually yelling at each other or if they were that much in character. Um, We've had some interesting things in character uh, for a very, very short time. 
we were doing a, uh, we were gaming at my house in the basement. This was between gaming at a, uh, a place we used to game at and then gaming at Pat's house. And Dan went into full null voice during this game. And my dog's upstairs freaked out. <laughs> well, I had an even worse one. Years and years ago, uh, we were playing an earlier version of my space opera game. And Chad's character and my character, and it was 100% cool, okay? Out of character, metagame, table, everything was cool. Both of us were fine with where this was at. But we, in character, got into a fight that escalated into a character-on-character -character screaming match. And at the time, I was in the same house as my girlfriend and her two little kids. And her four-year-old daughter started crying and ran off. <laughs> so we had to stop the game. And uh, Chad and I had to be real friendly with each other, like out of our way to show that, no, 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 there's no conflict here. We're just pretending, you know, this is not, this is, because I mean, look, Chad and I are big guys. We yeah. both have loud voices and we were screaming. Um, I have no doubt it was terrifying to a little girl. Uh, I'm still skimming down here. Uh, what are some rules of engagement for generating in-character conflict and arguments without crossing an out-of-character line? I, I don't know there's a hard and fast set of criteria that I can give you, particularly not in this short of an amount of time. But I think the least you can do is just talk about it. Just say, look, you know, in, in your session zero, say, okay, you know, what kind of conflict are you guys okay with? How far are you okay with it going? Are you okay with players killing, well, characters killing characters, let's not say players killing players. Um, characters killing characters, are you okay with, you know, is there something you're trying to work out? Or, you know, look, GMs and players, use your imagination. Look for those two ships on the same trajectory and say, hey, uh, we got a guy over here who's playing a paladin that's not willing to look the other way. And we got a guy over here who's, you know, a chaotic evil cultist of Moander. Uh, I mean, come on, this is going to be an issue. Are you okay with where this ends up? Because one of them's going to kill the other. Well, and I, th I think I think related to that too, if, if you, as far as setting up some of those guidelines, if you know certain things as you're, you know, uh, in regards to your character saying, look, my character really feels strongly about issue X and... If something ever happens where this comes an issue and your character is kind of in violation of that, or or I have a conf or my character has a conflict with them, I just want you to know that my character is probably going to have this reaction. But you have to make sure to add in the statement that look, me personally as a player, I'm not going to have anything against you in regards to that. I'm just playing my character this way, and this does go into a little bit. This is what my character would do territory. But if you're making it clear. Uh, ahead of time saying, I'm bound to have this reaction should this happen, but it is never never going to be a personal attack against you despite how I'm acting. I'm just role-playing that. You know, I want you to know that it's, it's, it's never going to be personal. And even be cognizant of that fact when that happens and take that moment just to make sure to remind that player, say, look, I'm not coming at you. I'm just, my character's coming at your character. Well, you can do the same thing as, as a GM. Um, I mean, take what you would do as a GM and apply it to, to character on character difficulties. Eric, you're more up on the current editions of Shadowrun than I am. Uh, 
so you can just give me a, a nod or shake your head or shrug. Do they still have the Doc Wagon HTRTs? The high third? Okay. So in in for anyone's not familiar with Shadowrun, there is this uh private organization called Doc Wagon. Don't use their competitor, they'll do bad things to you. Um for anyone who remembers the Universal Brotherhood storyline with Crash Cart. Yeah, Chris, thank you, Chris. I'm glad somebody here knows what Crash Cart is uh, and what they do to people. But Doc Wagon, basically you have like a vitals monitor you wear like a wristwatch. And if your vitals go funky or you break it, like you tear it off, uh, Doc Wagon, and they don't care who you are. Your, your, your money's good to them. They will show up and they will try to get you out of the situation. But they also have something called the HTRTs or high threat response teams, which basically means if there's a bunch of street violence going on and somebody has a dock wagon plan goes down, they will send in a highly armed, highly trained like spec ops group to get you out. And there was a game where my group of shadow runners were going to try and mug an ambulance. And I said, hold up. I said, I want you guys to know if you do this, you are going to invoke a response not only from Lone Star, who are not bumbling street cops. These guys are a death squad themselves. But you're also going to get a response from one of, uh, of uh, Doc Wagon's high threat response teams. You're probably not going to survive this. And because you attacked Doc Wagon, they ain't going to honor your plans. So you're going to be bleeding out in the streets. I mean, just fair warning, I'm not saying I'm going to make that happen, but I'm saying, you know, the dice are going to be rolled. So I completely didn't get Dan's Lone Star reference from earlier. Had no idea what Lone Star was. So when he said it, I'm just thinking Spaceballs. Oh, no, it's 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 like a it's a real it's a privatized police force. And there is a public police force that Seattle actually has. But Lone Star is a much more militant, much more violent, much better trained, much better equipped. Like if the beat cops show up, it's an issue. If Lone Star shows up, it's really bad. But um, you can do my point is you can do the same thing player to player. You can say, okay, I'm about to worship Moander. And I could say, dude, just so you know, you know, I'm playing a paladin. I mean, if you do this right in front of me, it's going to evoke this kind of response or, you know, or, hey, I don't appreciate you calling me those kinds of names or whatever it is that happened. You can have that pump the brakes moments before it goes completely off the rails. Um, gaming... You guys are talking about a lot of these that are would be known through setup of game. I found when I've seen this happen, you know, and maybe this is just because I've we do group templates and things, but usually I'd say 90% of the time it was nothing that was decided on in character creation. There are traits of the character that came out during play. Well, Wayne, you can't tell on paper that it was going to cause these conflicts. Yeah, well, let me tell you, though, you are in an unusually blessed position because all the way from your first game with us, you were benefiting from solutions we had already created to the bell curve of problems. And I took you them know, with me to other games that I've run. and Precisely. So I've never so, not had that conversation ahead of but, a game. But, I mean, the lack of Session Zero, it's getting more popular, but I tell you, man, these problems and the number of them that come from a lack of Session Zero is staggering. Um, so... Uh, Gage says Chris is the best. That's now two things Gage is wrong about. <laughs> um, 
Let's see. He's an Apple guy too, Dan. Free. Um, okay, from Young One, from the significant other, if you have a player that is really gung-ho for PvP, but no one else is, how do you de-escalate the situation? Um, that's an out-of-character conversation. Yeah, and I just flat out tell him, look, that's not our group. <laughs> Sorry. You know, we're just, we're, that we just don't do that level of stuff. And, you know, and I don't even think that that's a difficult conversation to have. Say, look, we might have, our characters might have arguments, but we're, our characters never resort to physical violence. We just don't do that, you know? Well, and for a while there, I typically, I mean, once again, that in my mind, that that needs to be a, a setup sort of question of, you know, are we going to allow player conflict and what degree does player conflict bother people? As one person says, I just got to have it and I'm going to do it. And everybody else says, no, the way I've typically handled it, I said, okay, you do that. I said, I want you to know as a GM, I'm going to intervene on this other person's behalf. I mean, it's just really that simple. I'm going to cheat. Um, so you do it if you, if you feel the need to do it. But the entire rest of the group has said no. And if you can't, lay the, off that like that's everything gaming is to you that's all you take away from the experience uh you need to either wait until a future game where we can make that work or find somebody else at the table who's willing to be your boxing buddy or maybe you just need to accept this isn't the right game i mean if all you want to play is DD, &D, that's cool but what if if i'm playing if i'm running a battletech game you're not going to get DD at my table right now it's no different than that. You, you're looking for a game nobody's running. Uh, Dan versus Kender was a great two-parter. It was. We actually had John, the, who's an attor state's attorney, uh, serve as the judge. Uh, I still think the jury is completely wrong. You too. Uh, see, yeah, don't put your... Uh, this is from Eric. Don't put your imaginary friends' wants and needs over your actual friends. I thought that was a great response. It's apparent. I don't know. Greg Queto? I don't know who that is. Um, only a Wookiee deals in irony. With. <laughs> That's, uh, let's see. So my character would do. Places a gun on the table. Well, Okay. That's what you guys want out of this show. Um, I can't cock my shotguns. It's not by me. It's downstairs. Um, hey, you two could talk, by the way. I'm just trying to catch up on chat. <laughs> I saw some really good questions. You, I'm, don't I'm, be bashful. I'm, 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 I'm waiting for you to find a question yeah. at, any, at any time here. Now, I think we've talked a lot about the, the bad about it, but... You know, going back to the beginning of the conversation, conflict makes a better story. There has to be conflict in there. If it gets to the point of the players being upset with each other, it's crossed the line. But as long as the players are on board, you can have a much, much better story by actually building this into the characters. Yeah, and I, I fully support intra-party conflict of a certain kind. Players disagreeing or characters disagreeing, characters arguing about things, characters choosing different routes, you know, that family dysfunction, that's human nature. And that's a great part of the story. But you have to watch where you go with it. 
because there's a kind of family dysfunction that makes for an amusing story. And there's a kind of family dysfunction that ends up with somebody getting disowned. And, and, you and have even if it gets to the end where the characters, you know, there's no other recourse. The characters are going to fight. One of them isn't going to make it. That can be an interesting end of the campaign. But one of them is going to walk away with their character victorious and think that was a great campaign ending. And the other is going to walk in with their, you know, walk away with their character dead. And all of that buildup led to, you know, not the ending they wanted. And they're so not going to be as happy with it. So from Dusty, Dusty Vansity, direct quote, I thought not killing kids was just a suggestion in session zero. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. He said that uh, was an actual quote at the table. Okay, yeah, you've got to, when, when not like killing kids, number one, is a is a big go-to in games for you. And two, somebody saying, I don't want you killing kids, they take as a kind of a, a loose guideline. Uh, yeah. It's like I, the pirate code. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you on that one man you, you got a real sick issue there real sick person yeah i play uh, with a guy that has a specific thing about mind control he doesn't want his mind read and he doesn't want mind control so everyone knows that going in and when you're going when you're creating superheroes for a superhero game if you're going to create a character that has mental powers we always work something out where his mind is the one you can't read for some reason you know, it's partially on him to work that into his character on why that is, but it's just something, you know, people have their lines. They're things that will make the game not fun for them. And if everyone knows it at session zero and someone violates it after knowing it, there is, maybe it can be an accident, but uh, not if they reply back with something like, I thought it was a suggestion. So the uh, Zhang Pao had a question about how does Knight Arant uh, compare to Lone Star? Uh, I, it's my understanding that Knight Arant, which is a in Shadowrun, they're a subsidiary private uh, security company of the Ares Corporation. It's my understanding that they are actually better armed and better trained, but they're substantially fewer in number than Lone Star. Uh, and they are on limited contracts. They are like doing general law enforcement in the city. You break into some random store, it's going to be beat cops or Lone Star, not Nidorant, unless they had a contract with Ares, which is, let's say, a whole different level of cash involved. But I actually, in a uh, like a uh, international online Shadowrun game, where they like had this is kind of like West Marshes before West Marshes existed. Uh, I was actually the uh, head of Nidorant. And so I actually had to learn a whole lot about what they are and what they do. Yeah, Shadowrun is one of those games. I've never played it, so I have no personal opinion on the game itself. It is a genre I don't care for, though. So I've never really... You know what? John had the exact same thing. He's now totally won over. Talk to John about this. Yeah. He said talk, the same talk thing. Talk about got... times when Wayne is wrong. Oof. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come now, on. See, I would be wrong if I said it's a horrible game. I haven't played the game. I have no opinion on the game itself. I just know it's, it's a genre I don't care for, so it's going to have an uphill battle for winning me over. Right, I don't we're, like Cyberpunk. We're out of time, so how about uh, letting everybody know where to find you? 
you can find me uh, uh, social media wise. I hang out mostly on Twitter and I am at the Hussman, all one word. And of course, you can find uh, the actual play podcasts I do uh, either at ap.fearthaboot.com or you can go there specifically with youngandholt.com or gunforhireap.com. Uh, you can find pretty much everything I do through the clearinghouse of feartheboot.com. Feartheboot.com is the best place to start for me. Uh, I do have a landing page I'm working on, but it's not ready yet. It's still oh, circling. Yeah, well, and, and there are some comments there about people missing Chris's voice on Fear the Boot. Now that Chris is not in Iowa, where his internet connection was dick, and he's not in Alaska, which is Alaska, we are actually going to try to get him back on as a remote host here when we resume after our three-hour and 40-minute episode mega hiatus. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Chris, Dan, and Wayne for hosting this week. Uh, thank you to Kiha, uh, Dusty Van City, and uh, with the two-part question, and then Zhang Pao. And then, of course, Young One uh, did the Seize Initiative, uh, which was nice, brought in the whole fight uh, fight each other thing, and also brought in the significant other for a, uh, a question also. So that was super nice. Uh, and thank you all for watching. Uh, next week's hosts are Nick, Chad, and Pedro. Remember, we stream every Sunday at 9 p.m. Central on twitch.tv slash gamers table. Good night, everybody. <laughs>